Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Sometimes, First Thessalonians chapter number 3, you can turn there. I'm putting a cup of water under here just in case. Um, I watch some preachers every now and then, and when they have like these open front pulpits, I notice that they're always really intentional about what kind of cup they put up there, especially if they're video, and so like they have like Fiji water or something that looks really cool. So I just have a styrofoam cup with water in it. I guess I could, here, I'll write a J on it. All right. Make sure our GoPro picks that up, okay? There's a J on it for Joel, just like you're in, um, any of you ever have, like, in little kid's class when you got your Cheez-Its, and then, like, you would get, like, a little cup of water, and your teacher would write, like, your name in in the styrofoam. That was probably just a West Virginia thing, because we couldn't afford Sharpies or something. So, uh, anyways, but when growing up, I remember that we had, like, these little styrofoam cups, and um, we actually had a lady in the church, the lady who bought the snacks for the kids' ministry, um, was also the lady who oversaw the finances. And so, I actually remember that she would make us like make the teachers reuse the styrofoam cups so like you would like rinse out a styrofoam cup and then she like you know those little pads that you wash stuff like in your kitchen with so like you know how they're they're like that big or whatever like well she would actually go in and cut those in fourths so if you went in to wash something in like the church kitchen you had this little brillo pad and it was like like how do I scrub that out so we were scrubbing our styrofoam cups with a fourth of a brillo pad so anyways but um I don't know why we're talking about that. I was actually standing up here, and I was going to start the lesson with, I need to be on time because I'm preaching in the next service. So um, anyways, the I don't need to be the one that's late, and here I am the one that's talking. All right? So anyways, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. I've been in a series entitled Living in Light of Eternity uh, from this book of First Thessalonians. I'm not going to take a lot of time to rehearse the background, but um, as most of you know, most of the epistles in the New Testament were written by Paul. And so Paul is writing this to a church that he kind of helped form. It's a young church. It's a Gentile church. And so he gives them the gospel, and then he writes these letters kind of as an opportunity to refresh their memory. And so the way that I've kind of explained it is that, you know, as you speak with someone, especially when you're trying to take something as big and as broad as Christianity and the Christian faith and the Bible, and you try to boil it down into just a few things that they need to remember, um, then it's easy to forget some stuff. And one of the things that seemed to have get, gotten lost in the confusion and in maybe translation as Paul was there with these people was the idea of how the end would look like, how death worked, how the rapture worked, how eternity worked. And so as he writes back to them, what he's really seeking to do is he's seeking to establish their beliefs about the end times, about what is going to happen in eternity, but he's also using that as an opportunity to show them how to live in light of eternity. And so we got through 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 last week. 
We'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3 this week. Let's go ahead and let's look at the first five verses. This is going to be part one um, of really uh, chapter number 3, talking about the heart of living in light of eternity. Now, sometimes I know that we're guilty of saying, okay, well, like, if you've come to church for a while, you know that, all right, we're going to read a passage, we're going to talk about the passage, we're going to talk about how what I'm supposed to do with it. And sometimes I think that we get so used to just listening to what happens and, what we're, and knowing what kind of comes next that we fail to place an emphasis on any one thing. And so my goal has always been to take something verse by verse, maybe thought by thought, and break it down. But today I want you to really catch the emotion and the heart behind our passage. And so let's look at it in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. If you can, read along with us. It's there in your notes. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, the Bible says this. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. I want you to go back and look at verse number one one more time. He says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Now skip down to verse number five. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. When you look at those five verses, can you see Paul's heart? Can you see how much he loved these people and how much he was concerned about their spiritual well-being? He says, I, don't, I didn't want to give up on you. He said, I thought about you. I, I, was, I wanted to have some sort of word to make sure that you were okay. And so today what I want us to look at is the heart of living in light of eternity. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that today's lesson, if you're just taking notes and you're taking notes and looking at the points, that today's lesson is not going to be maybe as much in the, in the fill in the blanks, but in the thoughts that we share around those. And so if you have a habit of maybe taking some extra notes, I would encourage you to find maybe a place in your margin. We give you those little blanks under that because we're going to really share the heart of living in light of eternity. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, I thank you for this book of 1 Thessalonians, Lord, for how it has helped me, how it has encouraged me. And God, I ask that you would help us as Christians to begin to develop the heart that you have for us in this life. Lord, that we would begin to see that every interaction that we have with someone else is either going to point them closer to you or draw them further away. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize just the gravity of our words and our actions around others, both saved and lost. And that we would be able to step back and at the end of our lives, or Lord, when you call us home, we would be able to say that we gave our heart to making sure that others knew about you, that others were growing in you, and that others were encouraged. In your name we pray. Amen. We live in a society that really, in some ways, almost prides itself on selfishness. Um, many times, if you watch the news, or if you uh, check social media, or if you have social media, period, okay, all it takes is a little snapshot, maybe spending 
10-15 minutes on social media and you will find out just how selfish of a society we actually are. So much of our insecurities begin to manifest themselves in how we, how we promote each other and how we promote even ourselves and how we, how we glamorize ourselves, how we try to put on a facade so that others maybe don't think that something is as it seems to be. And so we live in this society to where selfishness really kind of rules. Sometimes it almost feels like that the most selfish person ends up being the most successful. The person who invests in themselves, the person who maybe promotes themselves the most, the person who has figured out how to market themselves, the person who is the prettiest, the person who is the strongest, the person whatever it may be, okay? And when you look at that, you can step back and you can say, well, that's how the world is. But in some ways, that's the exact same way that Christians are. And here's what I'm beginning to realize is that while we step back and we may glare at the problems of the world, when we, if we were to take the mirror and turn it on ourselves, many of the same issues are evident in Christians today. We may spiritualize them. We may maybe try to sweep them under the rug. But the truth is, is that selfishness is not just an epidemic in the lost or in the world. It is also an epidemic within the church and within Christians. And here's why is because we have basically determined that it is okay for our Christian life to be lived by ourselves. We no longer think about others. We no longer maybe show the care that we were shown. We, we selfishly turn to maybe sin, or we selfishly turn to maybe impure motives, or we selfishly turn to just putting ourselves in a box and saying, well, if I can't help someone, then I guess the only thing I can do is help myself. And sometimes when I step back and I look at that and I look at kind of that principle in our society and in Christianity and in churches today, I, I think through the lens of Scripture. One of the things that I've had a habit of doing, and really I was unintentionally, but I ask myself sometimes through the lens of Scripture, what if Paul would have done this? What if Paul would have been a selfish Christian leader? What if Paul would have just determined, well, you know what, this whole Christianity thing, I can't seem to get it to work, like I'm going into these areas and I'm being persecuted, I'm being run out of town, I'm having this issue, I'm having that issue, I guess it just isn't meant for me to be, so I'm just going to close myself off, I'm going to walk with God for myself, and I'm going to live unto myself and die unto myself. But what you see is you actually see Paul being willing to go through difficult times because of how much he loves someone else. Being willing to maybe work through some roadblocks and some obstacles because of his heart for others. And if you're not careful, here's the trap that you will fall into as a millennial or Gen Z Christian, and that is this. The Christian life is hard, so I'm not going to make it any harder than what it needs to be. Why love others for them to turn their back on me? Why try to be kind for them to not show kindness to me? Why try to reach others for them to be cruel to me? Why talk to others at work for them to make a mock of me? Why do any of these things if it's just going to turn back on me? And here's the answer to that question. The answer to the question is not that those things will go away, but that your mission and your calling in life must be greater than the criticism that you're facing. Your mission and your calling must be greater than the criticism that you are facing. And if you're not careful, what you will do is the first little bit of criticism, the first little bit of difficulty, you'll drop your mission and just say, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. 
And what we see in this passage is that Paul is writing, and as he's writing this, he says, my obstacles that are in my life, the persecution that has come into my life, those don't hold a candle to what I have been called of God to do. My heart is in this thing. I'm going to give it my all. I'm not going to give up. I want to see you grow. I want to see you develop. I want to see you live like Jesus Christ is coming back. And as a Christian, here's the question for us today in this class and in this moment. Is what have you given up on that shows where your heart is at? The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And sadly, for many of us, we have given up our treasure, laying up treasures in heaven because our heart is not there. Our heart is on this earth. Our heart is down here. Our heart is on our finances. Our heart is on our relationships. Our heart is on maybe our well-being. Our heart is on our physical health. Our heart is on this. Our heart is on our job. We give our heart to everything but God, and then we wonder why our country is in the mess that it's in. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. As we walk through these, I'm going to ask you to take an evaluation. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, is my heart for others showing? So the first thought is this, is notice when your heart shows. Notice when your heart shows. He says this, wherefore, in verse number one, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. He gives a time frame. He says, when we could no longer forbear. I wonder how many of you, you have someone in your life right now that because you haven't heard from them, because you don't know where they're at spiritually, because you don't maybe know the state of their salvation, that it bothers you. That you're forbearing. That, that all of a sudden, there's just something that causes you to, I don't know where I'm at, I don't know where they're at, but I know that I need to pray for them, I know that I need to love on them. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. And you want a good snapshot or a good glimpse of your spiritual life? Step back and think about how many times you thought about someone else this week. How many times did you think about the lost person who may be on the other side of the phone? How many times did you think about the lost person who handed you your coffee in the drive-thru? How many times did you think about the lost person that maybe you work alongside of? And for most of us, we don't live in light of eternity because this is just the relationships that we've built down here. Things are just all business. My life is a business transaction. As long as you do for me what you can do for me, and as long as I can do for you what I can do for you, then there's nothing more that we can ask of each other. But the problem is, is there are people that you can agree with. There are people that you can see on a day-to-day -day basis. There are people that you can interact with. And right now, they may be the only glimpse of Jesus Christ that they see. And if you're not careful, here's what I think one of these days we will stand before God and we will regret. I believe that when we stand before God one of these days, that we will see co-workers and friends and family members that we had influenced amongst <clears throat> die and go to hell simply because we were never bold enough and never had the heart to tell them what they needed to hear. I'm not telling you to be a jerk. I'm not telling you to be uh, unbecoming. I'm not telling you that you need to become some sort of Bible thumper. What I am telling you is that your walk with God, your relationship with God, your fellowship with God, your, the Spirit's power on your life does not just influence you. It influences those around you. And your heart should show 
when you're away from those that you're uncertain of where they're at spiritually. Paul was concerned about these Christians. Paul was concerned about the church. Paul was concerned, I can't, I, you know what, I can't get back to them. I hope they're doing alright. I, I hope they're growing. I hope they didn't misunderstand me. I need to write them a letter. I need to get someone there. And when your heart shows, it should show the heart of Christ. But notice not only, first of all, when your heart shows, but notice secondly, how your heart shows. How your heart shows. Look at verse number 2. He says, And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. How does your heart show to those around you? How does your heart for eternity show? First of all, it shows through your presence. Through your presence. I think it's interesting that Paul sent Timothy. Possibly the youngest person that was a part of his ministry team. He says, I'm sending Timothy. Paul couldn't be there on his own, but that didn't give him an excuse to not show his presence some way, somehow. And you want to know some of the best ways that you can make an impact on those around you is just to show up. Just keep showing up. Just be there for them. They go through something difficult, be there for them. They go through something hard, be there for them. They have something in their life that needs prayed for, pray for them. And sometimes what we're guilty of as a generation is we're guilty of just saying, well, I got tough times, they got tough times, all God's children got tough times, so hope they figure it out. What's the Bible say? Mourn with those that mourn, weep with those that weep. And unfortunately for us as a generation, this is so countercultural. This is so odd to us. We don't even really know how to do something like that. Can I tell you one of the most awkward parts of my job? And every time I'm reminded that it doesn't matter how awkward it is, it just matters that we did the right thing. One of the most awkward parts of ministry is going and praying with someone in the hospital. Going and seeing someone at a funeral. It's not comfortable. Most of the time, no one's looking for an opportunity to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go pray with someone in a hospital and wander around and try to find what room they're in and everybody look at you like, they're, like you're weird. Like, hey, do you know where so-and-so is? Oh, yeah, are you a family member? No, I'm actually, I work for their church. It's awkward to walk prepped for surgery and say, hey, would you mind if I pray with you? I can't tell you how many times I've watched my dad load up in the car at 4 or 3 o'clock in the morning to go and meet someone and pray with them for five minutes, have an hour and a half drive into Nashville to go pray for five minutes and leave. That's not, that's not fun. That's not, what, that, that's not something that you can really study for. But every single time I do it, I'm reminded of just how much it means to them. Every time you show up to a funeral and you shake someone's hand, you hug someone's neck and you tell them that you love them, you did something for them more than you did something for yourself. And that's what the heart of Jesus Christ is. That's what the heart of living in light of eternity is. So through your presence, but then not only through your presence, notice secondly through your establishment or through your establishing. Why did Paul send Timothy? He says in verse number 2, to establish you to establish you. 
Have you ever seen two people that are emotional basket cases get together? Have anybody ever seen that? Yes. It's not a, it is a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Sometimes two people that are emotional basket cases get married, and that's even more like... I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. No, I hate you. No, I love you. Ah, okay. It's this roller coaster where it's like, oh, okay, we got to bring it down here, all right? But when Paul sent Timothy, and I find this very unique considering he was the youngest person on his ministry team. When Paul sent Timothy, he sent Timothy to establish them. Do you know what that meant for Timothy? That meant that Timothy had to be established. That means that Timothy didn't get to show up and just be like, hey guys, uh, Paul sent me here and I don't really know what I need to do, but you guys good? Okay, you're good. You're good. If you're good, I'm good. All right, I'm going to go tell them y'all are good. All right, we're good. Okay? That meant that Timothy had to also be established. And sometimes as a Christian, here's what we struggle with the most. We struggle so much with our own problems that there's no way that we can help someone else with theirs. We struggle so much with worry that there's no way we can help anyone else with worry. We struggle so much with stress that there's no way we can help anyone else with stress. We struggle so much with finances that there's no way we can help someone else with their finances. And if you're going to help establish someone else, you must first be established in your own faith. You must first be willing to say, I'm going to root myself deep, not just for myself, not just for the stability of me, but for the stability of those around me. So through establishment, and then notice thirdly, it's not just through establishment, but through comfort. We've got to hurry. Through comfort. He says, and to comfort you concerning your faith, through your comfort. When was the last time you came up alongside of someone and you comforted them? Through your comfort. And then lastly, it's through your faith. He says, to comfort you concerning your faith. Do you know what the world needs to see right now? The world needs to see a group of Christians who believe that the God that they say can do something can actually do it. People need to see that we actually believe that God is the solution. People need to see that we actually think that the gospel still works. People need to see that we actually think and believe what we say this book believes. And if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ and you don't have faith in God, then guess what? It's going to be really hard for those around you to experience that. So first of all is when, you're, when your heart shows. Secondly is how your heart shows. And then thirdly is why your heart shows. Thirdly is why your heart shows. You see this in verses 3 through 5. So why would he do something like this? First of all is because of afflictions. Because of afflictions. I want you to stop for just a second right now and ask yourself, who's someone in my life that's going through something difficult that I can love on? Who's someone right now that's going through something difficult that I can love on them? One of the things that we talk about in premarital counseling when my wife and I get an opportunity to do that is that you're not going to step back and once you begin dating and once you begin to start getting married and have an interest in someone else, you're not going to step back and you're not going to remember every time you held hands, you're not going to remember every kiss, you're not going to remember every hug. But here's what you will remember. You will remember every time that you step back and that person helped carry your burdens. You will remember every time that they spoke truth into your life. 
You will remember that at your lowest point when they came alongside of you and they loved you and they encouraged you and they looked at you for who you were. And sometimes as a Christian, we need someone that can step into that role and say, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm praying for you. If you're going through something difficult, find someone else that you can love on. I promise you that helping someone else does just as much for you as it does for them. So because of afflictions, then uh, notice secondly, because of your appointment. Because of your appointment. Look at verse number 3. He says, For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. I find it interesting that Paul knew what he was called to do. He says, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to be your Savior. I'm not here to, to save you, but I am here to help you. He says, I've been appointed into this. Part of my calling, part of the reason why I'm in this thing is so that I can run alongside of you during difficult times. And for many of us, we don't see that as our job. Well, that's God's job. He'll take care of them. Well, that's Joel's job. He can take care of them. That's the church's job. They can take care of them. But part of our job as Christians is that we would love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples and that ye love one another. Is what Jesus said. And then notice, thirdly, is not only because of afflictions, because of appointment, but because of your investment. If you've invested yourself in someone else, you have a concern for them. And part of the reason why we very rarely have concern for anyone is because we have invested in no one. You're not going to be concerned about someone you don't have an investment in. And Paul says, I gave you my all. Chapter number 2, we just talked about it a couple weeks ago. He says, even my own soul. He says, you got a glimpse of who I was. But because of the afflictions, because of your appointment, and because of your investment, you should find someone that you can care for. And then lastly, is because of the tempter. Because of the tempter. He says in verse number 5, he says, so that our labor was not in vain, because the tempter had tempted you. He had pulled you away. Can I just be very honest with you about where the church and where Christianity is right now? Satan has a target on the back of every single Christian who's choosing to take their life seriously right now. If you're choosing to wake up and show up to church, if you're choosing to try to walk with God, if you're doing the 40 days of prayer, then guess what? You have got a target on your back. I don't think Satan's really too concerned about the carnal Christians who skip out on church. Satan's not too... He, he's got Christians right where he wants them for the most part. But if you're choosing to step up and say, I'm going to take this seriously, I'm going to show up, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask God for some things, then guess what? You have a target on your back. And that means that every little bit of encouragement that you can give to someone else who also has a target on their back is a big shot in the arm for the church and Christianity right now. You see someone show up to church that hasn't been in a while, you better be the first person to go and talk to them rather than, huh, I wonder what they've been into for two months. You see someone miss class, send them a text. Hey, didn't see you today. Just wanted you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. You see someone go forward and pray in tears, 
probably would be a good time to walk up to him after, after church and say, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? The problem is, for us to do that, we would have to think about someone other than ourselves. And the heart of living in light of eternity is this. You've got to have a heart for Jesus Christ, and you've got to have a heart for someone else. And if you can't do that, then I very seriously doubt if you're going to be able to have an impact on those around you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.